0: Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. To the podcast where we honor and acknowledge black women performers and discuss racism within Michigan performing venues. I'm Ashley M Lyle and today I am joined by a the tremendously talented actor Ariel K Crosby. Hi Ariel how are you
1: I'm doing well. how about yourself
0: I am great. I'm actually really excited to talk to you today um because we've never really gotten the chance to really sit down and talk you know what yeah. I mean
1: yeah like we, we we're Facebook friends, but we haven't like actually sat down and had a conversation. so I'm excited to finally do this
0: right. And it, you know we were like before we really started recording, we, we were talking a little bit about the different projects that you're working on that um, and you have something coming up. I don't know how soon it's coming up, but you were telling me about it and it's really excited. So if we're able to, uh, I'd like to really dive into that and you know just find out some more about this project.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So why don't you describe to me your style of acting?
1: Wow. (laughs) That's so broad. I think for myself, I fancy myself more of a character actress, Mm -hmm. but of course I'm always trying to learn other techniques, trying to learn more dramatic acting, stage acting versus film acting. So I'm, I stay in a workshop or a. A class um even in the pandemic finding things online um but I definitely lean more toward the comedic acting side mm-hmm. and so I think I would say I'm more of a comedic character actress if I had to classify myself
0: now I, I now I'm curious about the classes because that's mm-hmm. that's kind of something that I want to get in get back into because I I Man, I feel rusty. I feel like an old gate as you try to open it, and you hear <laughs> it just making that wide, grim noise. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I need to, I need to really exercise that acting muscle again, and you know, get back into the swing of things. Because while I'm, you know, while I'm pride myself as a as a business person, you know, I I can't forget anything about my art you know
1: yeah I completely agree like it's very important to get the business side but we can't forget that we're artists first yeah right that's what brought us into it in the first place but we also have to Mm. make money so I completely understand and I commend you
0: (laughs) (laughs) what are your goals as an actor what do you hope to achieve and What have you achieved in uh, the long term?
1: On a more esoteric level, I just want to get to a point where it doesn't matter what the genre is, that my technique and my understanding of text and text analysis is thorough enough that I can easily move between genres because I really feel as though I'm more of a chameleon, so <laughs> I I try to do different things and I don't necessarily wanna be put in one little box, but I know that the people who are able to do that, the it's like a very small percentage of people that do that successfully. And I would like to be one of those people. As far as just my success as a career, um, of course we all dream of, oh, the Tonys and the Oscars and the Emmys, and those things are great. And I don't want to diminish those or like poo-poo on it and say, oh, that doesn't even matter. But in the grand scheme of things, as long as I'm doing what I love and I'm able to live off of it, then that's really, that'll be like full success to me. And I believe that's, that's pretty much it. And I would love to just be able to go back and forth between stage and film.
0: What do you like more, stage or film?
1: Oh, definitely stage. Uh, <laughs> something about just the live aspect. Just oh, that energy that you get. Mm-hmm. The, the second, like, the downbeat of the show. Like, is, I haven't experienced anything else on that level. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot more pressure, I feel, in stage performance. Because it is live, you only have one chance to get it right. Even if you're doing a run, you only get this particular audience this particular time right. so you got to get it right that moment you know right. uh, with with camera work you can do several different takes of course people would love it if you could just do one take because that's less money and less time but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not as much <laughs> pressure to get it right so I like the leeway with the camera work But I prefer like the energy of that just live performance. And I think that's part of why I fell in love with like sitcoms, uh, Mm -hmm. especially multicam sitcoms. Oh, my goodness. Because that's literally TV and theater together. You have an audience and a set. Right. You know, so that's that was always like a big dream of mine. And it's kind of sad to see that a lot of multicams are actually like being phased out. So I'm hoping that I get on the train before it completely fades out, but uh, <laughs> that would be a great thing.
0: Now, when you're saying multicam, you're referring to live studio audiences, right?
1: Yes. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're Fresh Prince and Living Single, or more recently, uh, Big Bang Theory, The Neighborhood, I believe, is a multicam. But again... Nowadays they they were all the craze in like the 90s oh the yeah. 2000s but now that we're getting more uh, sitcoms like Blackish and Modern Family which are more single cam and they're filmed more like movie mm-hmm. than they are with the different angles.
0: But you know, I I think that I would prefer to do a single cam. That's just me. And I'm not I'm I'm honestly not a, do not I, I don't, I don't care too much for film or TV, like performing for film or TV. I love the stage myself. Uh-huh. It just feels, it feels different versus, you know, the two are two are just so different that if I want an audience, I'll go do theater. If I want to do just a performance or just do something, then I would do film or TV. You yeah. know, because it's just, it. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs>
1: I think that's very valid and it's not for everyone. And that's why there are like very specific people who do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um and then you do have some people who are able to, you know, go back and forth between the two. And I'm sure they have their pro everything has their pros and cons. So mm-hmm. I don't think you should don't feel bad that you don't want to do a multicam because they're not gonna be around that long anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how do you be in the moment? How do you prep before each rehearsal or performance?
1: Hmm. Well, a lot of it is work that has nothing to do with the moment. I think for me, it's once I have a full understanding of my character and the world in which that character inhabits, then I'm more able to focus on just being present. So it's more about focusing on the technical side prior to the performance. And then once I'm in the performance or even an audition or rehearsal, I'm able to really explore that actual moment instead of worrying about oh, what's my line and what is wh- uh, what is my staging and am I looking the right way? And it's, it's, it's more organic to me once I get all of those technical aspects out of the way prior to. Mm-hmm. So how do you
0: keep the audience engaged for each each performance? Do you ever notice like an energy shift based on who's in your audience? Men versus women, Black versus white?
1: Honestly, if I'm enough in the moment. I'm not even concerned about that. I feel that most people are not going to go see a show that they don't know what it is. So they're already somewhat familiar with it. So I don't have to... I think a lot of times when we get on stage in general, whether you're singing, acting, dancing, even doing like a comedy show or something, we have we f- sometimes can feel like we need to prove ourselves mm-hmm. and that takes you out of the moment, you know, focusing on that. Now mm-hmm. you do, and you can feel the energy. I can tell the difference. I When I was doing Motown, we, we were in so many different places, some places that were like small towns I've never heard of and probably would never go back to, <laughs> you know, but those audiences would sometimes be some of the most generous receiving open to whatever we were trying to give them Mm -hmm. and then you'll have the audiences in the more populated areas the more um like metropolis uh, cities yeah those those type of areas and they could be as dry (laughs) as Uh, An ashy ankle, honey. Like, (laughs) but you still have to. So that's why it's so important to me to really just I need to just be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And what always trips me out when you have a dry audience at the end, oh my goodness, like the applause, and then they're at the stage door, and they're like, oh my gosh, I loved it. I was like, really? Because I couldn't tell because it was so quiet Mm -hmm. y'all were giving us these little you know this little mm -hmm, mm -hmm, type of claps Mm -hmm. (laughs) but at the end they were just like oh my gosh you guys are so talented I love this I was like oh wow you know so that's that that that's another reason why you can't always go off of just the energy in the room right and I've been surprised because again, we've been in some of these towns and I'm like, I know, especially touring with a Black show Mm -hmm. with a predominantly Black cast in some of these very, very white towns. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) But, and I think that 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 was the appeal of Motown. Like, Motown is just like one of those genres where... It's nostalgic. Yeah, and it transcended race and all of that. Mm-hmm. and it appealed to so many people and that's why so many like the rolling stones and the beatles like they were oh they loved motown they love motown artists and rolling stones you know redid motown songs so it with was just it had that yeah <laughs> so i don't know why you know but still even mm-hmm. with all of that in mind you 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 just don't know going into mm-hmm. some of these places and i've been pleasantly surprised by the response so i can totally relate to that Cause I, I I've I've done shows uh, at
0: white theaters. I've done shows at predominantly black theater, like uh, Detroit Repertory Theater.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I swear I I say this so many times. There's no audience like a Detroit Repertory audience. Yeah. Because and the reason for that being is it, it depends on what what day they come. Mm-hmm. So at Detroit Repertory Theater they have. Uh, the night right before opening night, which is a Wednesday, and they call it Neighborhood Night, where they discount the tickets significantly, so that way the people within the neighborhood can come in and see the show, and okay. that's the biggest audience that you will ever have at Detroit Repertory Theater, and in the bit the best audience as well. I've performed one show, one full show there, and then one like uh, their their workshop show, mm-hmm. and those audiences are just so immensely engaged and then of course knowing us as black folks we we call and respond so yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if something happens you get the mm, mm, oh lord mm. you know so you you hear all of that versus me performing at, at theaters at white theaters with their white audience members it, it's almost crickets but then yeah. sometimes at the end of the show, you get a standing ovation
1: and it's like, really? Right. <laughs> it's just, just sure? Sure. It's a cultural thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. I love this. Now, <laughs> I want to talk to you
0: about the couple of performances that you have been in, uh, yes. particularly the one that you were in at, at Mason Mason Street Warehouse. Yes. Memphis. Mm-hmm. I am so in love with that show. I didn't get to see you in it. Mm-hmm. But I remember the first time that I went to the Wild Awards, because that was the same year that your show, Memphis, won something. I was also up for nomination for the one-woman show that I was in. And that mm-hmm. was that was my pro- professional debut. Yeah. And I had heard about it. So, you know, I, I, when I heard about Mason Street Warehouse, I started looking it up and saw that it was three hours away. So I'm like, okay, that would never happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: not never. Never say never.
0: <laughs> but I, 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 I saw what they, that they had performed, that you all had performed in Memphis. And I was just so excited to know that some theater in Michigan had the balls to actually do Memphis, yeah, you know, because yeah. yeah. over here in southwest, southeast Michigan, they're not gonna do Memphis. They're just no. not, no. unless you have a, a predominantly white theater. Not predominantly. Let me rephrase that. If you have like a community theater that's owned by a white person mm. or a white group of people, and then they they have enough of a turnout where they have enough Black people to be in that show. Right. But because a show like that, you got to make sure you have enough Black people in it. Oh, you know?
1: yeah.
0: Have to. Have to. Like, ragtime. Ragtime. Yep. You have to have enough Black people in that show to be able to do that show.
1: Yep.
0: But I, I was really glad. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about the experience that you had working on Memphis.
1: Well, whew. So the story of how I even got connected to Mason Street, the music director that ended up she was doing Memphis. I actually worked with her when I did Dreamgirls as stagecrafters, mm. and she really like she really loved my work ethic as well as my talent, and she got me an audition for Murder Ballad at Detroit Public Theater. Mm -hmm. which she was also music director for that. So she just, anytime she's music directing something in Michigan, she's always like, Hey, are you? (laughs) Uh, She's moved since then, but she got me the audition. And so I went and I had to do, now here's the thing. People always ask me, they're like, okay, are you a, are you a dancer? I'm like, um, I dance. (laughs) I don't know if I would say I'm a dancer. Relate, <laughs> yeah, relate. it's like, but I, 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 can do choreography. I can do choreography. I can learn choreography. So when I went to the audition, you know, I sang and I actually sang a, a, a an excerpt from Color Woman, mm. and we also did someday. And the director he asked me the same question. He said, "Are you a dancer?" I said, "Well, uh, I, I'm." Not quite a dancer, but I do better than just like a a two-step. He right. said, Oh, so you're a doover. And I said, A what? <laughs> a what? It was like it's like a it's more than a mover, but not quite a dancer, but you can do for uh. I, I said, Oh, yes. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, that. and then I did the dance call that same day, and he said, And you said you weren't a dancer. I said, I no, wait, if you can ask me, you'll see. <laughs> Right. And he and he worked he worked very well with me because he was the choreographer and the director. Mm. So That's you know he got me together. Okay, but he got me together. He got me together. So mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a challenge as far as the dancing because I did end up getting in the ensemble and I was the understudy for Felicia. I never mm. got to go on because mm. it was such a short run. It we didn't really need. She didn't ever have to call out. Right. So I I didn't go on, but I still you know learned the the role Mm -hmm. but I definitely grew as a performer and doing that actual just the show and the subject matter of the show it was so timely and I wasn't I'm not familiar with western Michigan at all right so I wasn't sure what I was walking into Mm -hmm. like what are these audiences gonna be like how are they Mm -hmm. gonna receive this because we definitely say they definitely say the n-word with the er so like, I don't ooh, How are they going to respond? Mm-hmm. And you could you could feel like everybody tens up when they heard the word, you know, like, but mm-hmm. I'm like, see, that means we're doing our job. Right. <laughs> like exactly. we did our job, but it was very well received. Mm-hmm. And the actual Felicia, she was on the tour. The Broadway mm. tour oh and she was the understudy and it's funny because the the track that I did was the exact same track that she had in the ensemble <laughs> oh, so I was okay. like oh so I'm just a little you huh
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh but that's cool I don't I do notice that Mason Street Warehouse they do have auditions like in Chicago mm-hmm,
1: they do Chicago New mm-hmm. York mm-hmm. Yeah, I they're... was actually in New York for a different audition and Kurt who was the director for Memphis, was doing auditions for, I believe they were doing In the Heights at that point. Mm -hmm. So he was in the same building and I saw that they were doing auditions. So I, you know, shot him a text and, you know, he met up with me during their little break. But yeah, they do, they they try their hardest to get, you know, like some very quality actors. So Mm -hmm. I was very, (laughs) I was honored that, I got in the cast because I'm like, oh, y'all doing auditions? Like, not to not to say that anything that I had done up until that point wasn't of a certain caliber, mm-hmm. but you know, these these every show that I had done was local, right? Until well, Murder Ballot, we still had three Michigan actors, and then Ariana, she's from Italy. Wait, but straight most, from Italy? Mm-hmm, like she? We, oh, she's an Italian pop star, honey. Like,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. But she has roots. Uh, you know, she she's built some roots in Michigan. And so that's how she ended up getting the audition and getting the offer for a murder ballot. Mm -hmm. But everything that I had done up until that point was local competition. And we have a lot of talent here. Like, don't sleep on it, y'all. We have too much talent. We have a lot of talent here. So I've always been in competitive situations, but to be competing with not just people in Michigan, but people in Chicago and New York and L.A. and all over. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I got picked? <laughs> like, what? Because <laughs> everybody, everybody that, I, that was in the cast, aside from some of the students from Western Michigan, which I thought was another really good thing that they do, they try to get some of the students from the school in Michigan, especially mm-hmm. Western, and incorporate them in the shows as well. So to get them experience and working in a professional setting with, you know, union and professional non-union actors. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a pretty good mix of people. But I learned so much.
0: As a Black woman in this white dominated industry, Mm -hmm. what kind of obstacles and challenges have you faced because you're Black and a woman? And how do you overcome them?
1: Well... A lot of, because we're, we're, we're Northerners. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Northern, uh I'll just say it. Northern racism is more <laughs> passive, mm. you know? So you get a lot of microaggressions. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, people be saying some slick stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't notice it for a while, because like most most of my childhood, I was in very 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 black spaces. I probably went to one of the blackest schools in the world. I went to Paul Robeson Academy from Kentucky. I'm mean to Kentucky from kindergarten until eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So I was I was Afrocentric for nine years straight, honey. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I knew nothing of any of the things that they were teaching me about, uh, you know, racism, prejudice, all of that. And then I get into the real world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness. And there are just things just, oh my goodness. You got to try to make sure that you're you're not too aggressive because (laughs) then, or speak up too much or ask too many questions because then you're difficult or you're the angry black woman. Mm -hmm. And you, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, you just really have to toe the line so much and really just kind of mince your words. You have to uh, walk on eggshells uh, Mm -hmm. in a lot of situations. Like I don't have the luxury of just being able to just pop off because I'm going to be viewed differently than my white castmate would if she did it, you know? Yeah. So I have to take that extra pause and keep that in mind. Because even though I don't think that a lot, I've, I've been very fortunate that a lot of the people that I've worked with are very aware of white privilege and whiteness and racism in this country and the system of racism itself. And I don't get a lot of direct issues as, as as some people have had, I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of our people about like blatant racism in their face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been very fortunate that I haven't had too many of those instances, but it's just like little things, just the, the little things, little things that'll be said or done. And I really, and I, as you can see, I speak my mind. So, and I try to make sure, I try to make sure that I say it in a, in in a way that's going to be well received Mm -hmm. because it's not enough to just like speak up for yourself. You have to make sure that you are getting your point across, you know, because I I could talk to somebody till I'm blue in the face, but if I'm not saying it in a way that they're going to receive it, then it's not going to make a difference because they're going to keep doing it because they don't see anything wrong with it. So I have to figure okay, how can I say this to this person where they understand why this isn't okay and that they don't do it again, at least to me, <laughs> like, right. I would love if they just amended their behavior for everybody else as well, but you at least don't do that stuff to me, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot of it, again, it's just been real passive aggressive type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know- and being mm-hmm. underestimated yeah. because, you know, oh, you know, like she can't do that. Or like people are like genuinely shocked when I can do something. I'm like, y'all, I'm talented. Like, <laughs> I don't know what y'all thought. Like, I can do more than just scrout. Like mm-hmm. I'm multifaceted, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't give me a chance because you already put me in that, you know, that one little box.
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's interesting you say passive aggressive. I During- during During the summer and into the fall and winter, I attended a couple of uh, workshops with this uh, organization called actors. i'm um, I'm sorry. Art, art equity, Uh and you know it's a a point that was made that's really interesting that continues to stick out with me is that microaggressions are aggressive. Yeah, it's only it's only micro to make it sound like it's not that big of a deal, but it's really but it's it's as aggressive as anything else. And that was that's something that my friend Dan and I where what we talked about in the workshop that we put up, it's called Toward an Anti-Racist Michigan Theater. Mm-hmm. And we talked to several of the Michigan theater owners in the area. We, mm-hmm. held, a, we held a class for three weeks for, uh, for the community, uh, non-equity and equity theaters. And in each class, I told them, I said, racism is not as bold as burning a cross or calling somebody a nigger. Right. You know? It's just not. The majority of the racism that we experience are the ones that fall under the radar. The Mm -hmm. ones that are as tiny as a gnat that nobody else sees, but we see it. And when we see it and we say something about it, we're looked, we're looked as aggressive or hostile or hard to work with, you know, or that we're just seeing things that we're just making shit up. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not true. And we made sure to stress to the theater leaders that, you know, if we're telling you that something is racist, then it's racist. Right. Like that's- <laughs> you don't get to tell me that it's not. Right. If, I, if what I'm telling you that something that somebody did or something that you did was racist, this is not the opportunity for you to blow me off. Or gaslight me. Exactly. You know, this is when you're supposed to believe me and make sure that the issue is rectified. Mm hmm.
1: Don't know. do that. Well, I don't think well, it don't matter what you think. Right. right. I'm telling you, as the recipient of said racism, this is racist. Mm hmm. And that was actually in in another
0: series that I did for the podcast Black Actor Conference. You know, I, I, uh, I talked with several other black actors. Miles was one of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he and the other actors, they talked about the different overt and, you know, under the radar racism that they've experienced. Yeah. You know, and it's really messed up that (laughs) that we have to go through this. You know, Mm -hmm. we we don't get cast enough as is. Right. Within these theaters. Why should we also have to endure racism either at its highest peak or its lowest level? Like why, why should we even have to go through that? Yeah. Anyway.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well,
0: Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like you had to work twice or three times as hard
1: because you're black and a woman? I think I innately think that in any situation that I'm in, And then, and I don't know, you know, and I don't want to like try and jump topics if this might come up later, you know, like in another question. But even in Black spaces, then we have to deal with colorism. We have to deal with ageism, fat phobia, like all of these other things. It's like there's so many levels to it. But in general, yeah, because I'll, I'm like, I have to, I've been in auditions and I know I sang my face off. Mm -hmm. I know I sang my face off, but it might've been, you know, then uh, I'll be followed by, and I'm sure these these women are probably very fine individuals, but (laughs) I'll be followed by this white girl. And then I don't get the call back. I'm like, but, and not to, you know, be shady or anything. I'm like, I know I sang better than her. So <laughs> like I I know I sang <laughs> better than her. You telling me she sang Aretha better than me. You telling me girl. Come on now. You know come like on. stuff like that. I'm like But, you know, and I'm also a firm believer that what, what is for me is for me regardless. So that just wasn't for me. But I also know that I'm not dumb. Mm-hmm. And I know the undertones. And I know that all of these industries are held up. They, they, they were built on racist principles. Like, the, the, the sy- systemic racism isn't just whites-only uh, water fountains. Right. It's so much deeper than that. And it's so ingrained in every aspect of our society. And I wish I didn't have to, you know, when people say, well y'all just make everything about race because everything is about race because y'all's people made it about race exactly we didn't do that
0: and we won't stop you know saying that something is racist until y'all correct what y'all need to to make sure that you're not racist or further perpetuating racism So what kind of moral support do you get for your artistic career?
1: Oh, I look, I tell people this all the time. I have the best support system. I'm so blessed. So blessed. My my family is, everybody in my family is, musically inclined so mm-hmm. we all even if we're not pursuing the arts professionally we all have an appreciation for the arts mm-hmm. so I've been immersed in arts and culture and all of that for my entire childhood and m- my entire life honestly and my family like so they get it they get it and they understand what I'm trying to do well, sometimes my mom doesn't but <laughs> But that's just, she she a Capricorn. So, you know, like, they like, okay, but this money, honey, stability, okay, security. Because the first thing she's like, well, are they paying? Well, how much they paying? (laughs) You know? And I get that. And I know she's just looking out for me, but she understands, you know, that I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. And they have all supported me. My church family. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just, I've just always been so blessed. To have friends and family that really are in my corner, like I, I, I don't, I don't ever profess to having like the most amount of quote unquote followers or fans or anything. But the people that do follow me, the people that do support me, they support me fiercely.
0: How do you keep your
1: mental health in check and keep
0: yourself performance ready?
1: Ooh, baby, uh, therapy, <laughs> journaling, <laughs> meditation. <laughs> Ooh. A lot of meditation, a lot of meditation, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think one of the, one of the only gifts from this terrible era that we're in right now is that it's really, you, you don't even have the opportunity to obsess about the future. Right. You, gotta, you have to live for right now. You have to live for today. Cause it's, so, it's completely unpredictable at this point. Mm-hmm. And you, you, can, you can, you can, you can still plan and have goals and things like that. And that's great. But I think that 2020 just really hit everybody in the face because we were all like yes it's the it's the new 20s and oh 2020 like perfect vision and this is gonna be our year and then it just (laughs) it exploded in our face but you know it just really it You got to live for the moment. So I've just been working more on just centering myself and really having an attitude of gratitude and being in the moment, seeing what I do have and working with that and making Mm -hmm. it do what it do. And if things happen, then things happen. Uh, I'm not necessarily just sitting idly by, but I'm also not pushing as much as I have been before. Right.
0: Because...
1: Everything is very precarious, but I also that also leaves so much room for us to do new things, yeah, right. So I'm no. just trying to navigate this space. that's really good
0: now, i, I this is my last question for you, and I asked this for all of my guests, okay, and it's called the Queen's Request.
1: Ooh
0: okay. So I would like for you to mention, to suggest to me one or two Michigan Black women artists, and that can be in any genre. It can be acting, singing, uh, poetry, burlesque, dance, anything that we should be keeping an eye out for. Mm, and we already so- talked with Calabria because she. Right, she was I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay,
1: I can't say Calabria. You already said Calabria. <laughs> She was
0: the one that said you need to go talk to Ariel. That's who you need to go talk to.
1: That's my girl. We <laughs> that's my, that's been my homie since uh, Renaissance. Like whoa, love that girl. So thank you, Calabria. Thank you for requesting me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gosh, there's so many people. mm I got to think. I got to. You you said just two. One to two. Yep let me see you know what have you my girl my girl I sound like Winnie Houston don't I my girl <laughs> <the God>. uh, <laughs> Tiffany Francis okay that girl she can sing she can dance she can act she was in ain't too proud before you know the pandemic and everything she had just made her Broadway debut she's from Michigan yes mm. yeah she's from Detroit okay yeah uh and she she's been she has not let this pandemic slow her down she came out with a christmas album a christmas ep mm-hmm. and she's gonna be doing some big things like she's very talented mm-hmm. very talented and i i think y'all need to be looking out for her okay. <laughs> okay oh you know who else is actually she's from michigan she's very talented ayla stackhouse she was in Motown with me, mm. and she made. Uh, she, she was in Book of Mormon. Oh, okay, I, I think she was on the tour, so she was with them when they were when they. She started with them when they were in Australia, but she's 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 very talented, and she's. She, <laughs> I love her spirit. She's 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 kind of a woo woo, you know. And if she, if she hears it, she's going to be like, oh, my God, Aria. But no, she's she's kind of a woo-woo type of spirit. But she's she's very talented. She's 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 the chick with the guitar, okay? She's that kind of uh-huh. girl, you know, doing yoga. She used to carry around her yoga mat on tour. I was uh-huh. like, girl, you if Ayla didn't do anything else, she said, I'm going to be centered, honey. So <laughs> I would say y'all need to look into Ayla Stackhouse and Tiffany Francis. And that's Frances with the accent over the E, okay? Because she's classy, uh, okay? <laughs> Tiffany Francais, okay? okay. <laughs> so those would be my two recommendations if I had to do just two for right now.
0: Okay, and on, um, on Instagram, is she Tiffany Francis underscore?
1: Yes, that should be her. If there's another one, honey, don't give me the line. Let me make sure. She got something called um Blue Box. Blue Box. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. that's Tiffany. Oh, can I do one more? Somebody just popped in my head. Yeah, go ahead. Arnesia Jones. Well, on Instagram, she would be Nisi Sings. So it's N E C I E Sings.
0: Now, is there anything else that you would like to promote for yourself, like
1: any social media or your website? Well, my website is www.arielcrosby.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, I am A-R-I-E-M-A-R-R-E-E at Ari Mari. You can also find me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Under Ariel K Crosby. All right. Well, this was
0: such a great conversation. I had too much fun with you.
1: I had fun with you too,
0: girl. We should have done this a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and keep me up with all the stuff because you you are constantly you're doing all the things and I I keep I keep up with you. I you know I low key Facebook stalk you
1: so. <laughs> that's so sweet it should be scary but it's not But it's not (laughs) but it's not because that's normal who doesn't facebook stalk people
0: right i mean that that's honestly how you know we really find out
1: about each other like no seriously yeah but thank you again i really do appreciate this conversation with you thank you for asking i really appreciate that and i enjoyed this this was fun yes great way to start the day
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find Black Queens On Stage podcast and Black Literature and Art Queens Network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at blaqnshowmichigan, on Facebook at blaqshowmichigan, and on Twitter at blaqnmi. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time.